I wonder how prominent a sense of enjoyment is in the way that you think about this practice. Interesting question, maybe for the end of the first day of a retreat. You know, it's so helpful in this practice and and in our lives regularly to check in with our attitude to what we're practicing, to what we're doing, because we can see just how influential our attitude and perceptions of what we're doing are on how experience unfolds, how it's shaped. So, you know, as you're settling to sit or standing at the end of the walking path, really helpful, really interesting question just to, to ask, okay, what's the attitude to this right now? How am I perceiving this in this moment? And there may have been times today when what you, you would have noticed or what you did notice was, was a kind of sense of struggle or a sense of duty even. You know. uh, sometimes we can notice there's a kind of resistance because it's feeling so restless. You know, the mind, the heart's feeling so restless. You know. Really, you know, to notice that can help us to, to, to practice a skillful relationship. You know, the Buddha said, the skillful practitioner cultivates a sense of internal enjoyment. And, you know, although it may not have felt like it today, if you read the Buddha's discourses, you'll see that they're really rich in a kind of vocabulary of joy, different flavors of joy. The Buddha was kind of almost a connoisseur of of the different kinds of joy, enjoyment that are available to us as we, we practice in this way. Not just as fruits of the practice, but as intentional cultivations. And this word cultivation is, is really, uh, well, it's really frequently used. It's very prominent in the Buddha's teaching. Uh, interestingly, much more prominent than the word for meditation. And the, the Pali word bhavana, which is translated as cultivation, kind of means to bring into being. And, and we know, don't we, that we can bring all kinds of things into being, can't we? We can bring irritation into being. We can bring boredom into being. We can bring self-judgment into being. We can also bring more wholesome, more nourishing, more supportive qualities into being. And in a very real way, you know, the main activity of this path is the activity of deliberately choosing and cultivating wholesome qualities of heart and mind. You know, the qualities of patience, of kindness, of interest, of collectedness, and of enjoyment. And, and if we think about you know, cultivating, it kind of suggests a sort of gardening activity, doesn't it? You know, and we think about, well, what does it take to cultivate something in the garden? It takes care, and it takes attention, and it takes a kind of, 
you know, selective watering, you know, and protecting and prioritizing and, you know, giving the best chance for seeds and seedlings to grow to their full potential. So, you know, I wonder how it would be uh, if you were to choose to make the cultivation of a sense of enjoyment a really central theme of your practice this week. Oh, if I have to, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. well, you know, we, we so easily get so kind of serious about this uh, and actually forget this kind of lightness of being, this, this quality of joy that actually is, well, very available to us uh, here in a context like this. And and the principle underlying this is actually, uh, you know, the Buddha stated very clearly, he said, whatever the mind frequently dwells upon becomes the shape of the mind. Don't, Don't we know this to be true in our lives? Whatever the mind frequently dwells upon becomes the shape of our mind. Or we could say, you know, whatever we feed grows. Whatever we don't feed doesn't grow. And so what would it be like to, to choose to dwell upon, to dwell within, to feed, if you like, an intention for appreciation and enjoyment this week? And, you know, in a very real way, this is part of the art of being on retreat, part of the opportunity of being on retreat, to let that which has become dulled by habit, by familiarity, to let that again become nourishing and become alive for us, become enjoyable for us through being noticed and valued and received with an appreciative awareness. You know, just the simple sensations of the the breath, you know. Can we really not take the breath for granted? Can we we let a sense of nourishment in? You know, the the kind of miraculous simplicity of walking. You know, Thich Nhat Hanh used to say... uh, the miracle is not to walk on water. The miracle is to walk on the earth, you know? And just to savor that, to appreciate that, you know? The, the sound of, of the bird song, of the silence, of the wind in the trees, you know, the sunlight, the, the evening sky. These are blessings not to be taken for granted and we have this precious space this precious time really to rekindle reawaken a sense of appreciation enjoyment even wonder you know at these uh, blessings that that uh, can be sources of such nourishment in our lives when we allow them to be, when we bring an attitude 
of appreciation and enjoyment to them. And we can see, can't we, just how the shift of attitude changes the experience. You know, and this is, this is very, there's an insight here that is really valuable about how our attitudes and perceptions fundamentally shape and condition our experience moment by moment. You know, and the more we see this, the more motivating it can be really to cultivate Attitudes that are nourishing, that are supportive of a sense of well-being. And we can see, can't we, the difference between a sense of appreciation and a sense of craving. You know, craving wants something to happen that's not happening. You know, it, it wants an outcome. It wants to get something, you know, or to get rid of something. There's a kind of demand in craving, isn't there? Can you feel that? You know, that actually contracts the heart-mind rather than, you know, appreciation opens the heart-mind. Craving has this kind of contraction about it that is itself unpleasant, you know. Even if we're craving something pleasant, the craving is unpleasant because of the sense of contraction and demand, you know. Appreciation the, the kind of opening to enjoyment is, is a receiving of what's already here, what's already available to nourish, to uplift, you know, to be gently enjoyed, you know, to receive the gift, if you like. And we, we can also see how this, this orientation towards a gentle enjoyment of the breath the walking, the sounds, the silence, the beauty of things, can coexist with discomfort, can coexist with a difficult thought that's here. You know? as, as Christina was saying in the, uh, the uh, question period in response to that very helpful first question, you know, it's, it's so easy, isn't it, for you know, difficulty or discomfort to become a kind of vortex that sucks our attention into it in a way that generally amplifies the sense of difficulty, you know, amplifies it, you know, through trying to get rid of it, trying to overthink, you know, get lost in the rumination about my knee or my, you know, the worry at work or the painful memory. You know. And and yes, turning towards and, and investigating the difficult is a central part of this practice. But so often we attend to the difficult and the painful without sufficient sense of resource, without having taken time to cultivate a sense of grounding or of capacity or of you know, some sense of well-being that can support us as we turn towards the difficult. D- does that make sense? Because I think it's such an important principle. It doesn't help to get overwhelmed, you know. A- and really, a key part of contemplative practice, as well as times when we turn towards the difficult, is to have times when we're not giving so much attention to the painful and the difficult 
And when we're instead choosing to value and, if you like, to make much of what is nourishing, what is uplifting, what is enjoyable, you know, what's, what's available, available to be appreciated and to refresh and resource us. You know, and this, this is really how we develop the heart's capacity. The heart's capacity in the face of the delights and the difficulties of this life. And the Buddha had, a, uh, I think, a very helpfully simple image for this. He said, take a lump of salt and put it in a cup of water, you know, like this. And he says... Will it be fit to drink? Will the water be fit to drink? And the, the monks will say, no, it won't be fit to drink. He said, put the same lump of salt in, well, he said in the river Ganges. Uh, but anybody who's seen the river Ganges will know this is not advisable in our <laughs> times. But put the same lump of salt into, say, a lake of clear water. You know, let it dissolve the water is much more drinkable. And, you know, certainly one way of understanding this image is this cultivating a sense of capacity in our hearts to meet and to be with the difficulties, the lumps of salt, if you like, in our lives. You know? And, you know, this is really part of the opportunity of being on retreat both to have times of, of cultivating this enjoyment, this sense of appreciation, really letting our bodies and our hearts be nourished, be resourced by the sense of space, by the sense of safety, by the goodness that's here, the beauty that's here, the freedom from demand that's here and practicing staying in contact with what nourishes and resources us in the presence of what challenges and activates us. You know, to, or, or, or to have a sense of being able to move between the two. So rather than getting sucked into the vortex of the difficult, actually being able to move between the, the sense of resource, the sense of nourishment and the difficult, if you like, as, as some writers on trauma put it, to learn to titrate our difficulties rather than being overwhelmed by them. So, you know, a question on a day when the body may have felt uncomfortable could be, well, where's not feeling uncomfortable right now? It's useful to notice that, you know. Useful to notice that you know, the soles of your feet are probably not bothered about that situation at work, you know. Your sit bones are, are probably not judging your meditation practice, you know. This is useful to know, you know. What's, if you like, outside the, the mood or the thought storm or the sense of difficulty? The bird song, the silence, the sense of nature the sense of space. This is really, this is really uh, important 
practice to to if if you like to to see the the crucial understanding that pain and discomfort don't have an objective or fixed size or intensity within consciousness can we sense that you know that pain and discomfort don't have an objective or fixed s- size or intensity within consciousness it depends very much on the climate of mind within which they're held the climate of heart within which they're held and what we're cultivating in the midst of them one of one of our colleagues from spirit rock james barras encourages when we notice that when things are difficult and we notice the mind complaining just adding the phrase and my life is really very blessed on the end of the complaint you know and just to notice what a difference it makes to to contextualize difficulty not as another should or ought but just as a sense of keeping proportion keeping in touch with what resources us so you know really really this invitation if you like this week to kind of bask in what nourishes and resources you here you know really to to let if you like good facts become good experiences where we really let a, an embodied sense of appreciation gratitude enjoyment really just gently seeing how it is to cultivate that you know even as you take your next breath now just to notice what's it like just to filter that through a sense of gentle enjoyment maybe an enjoyment of the the sense of freshness of the in breath a sense of of letting go or release on the out breath and just to see what would it be like just to keep kind of nudging the attitude in that kind of direction towards an appreciative awareness you know sometimes people say you know oh i i feel guilty for practicing gratitude or practicing appreciation when there's so much suffering in the world or when you know i'm here on retreat and i know that my partner's looking after the kids at home and just to just to reflect on that if that's around for you you know what is actually of better service here <laughs> you know isn't isn't it possible that actually we can be really using this time to resource and nourish and enlarge our capacity for presence for equanimity for compassion for clearer seeing in the midst of our lives at home in our community in our world you know there's a way of just hinted at it last evening you know of really seeing this experience of being on retreat as as part of our offering to the world seeking to be more deeply and more usefully of service you know and it can be helpful at the start of a retreat you know just to dedicate the practice the sense of nourishment the sense of resourcing for the benefit of 
our family, our friends, our community, those who are suffering in our world. You know, can be a beautiful kind of motivator for our practice. So this, uh, this sense of appreciation and enjoyment. But, but you may also have noticed that in that quotation from the Buddha, a skilled practitioner cultivates a sense of internal enjoyment. And, you know, yes, appreciating, if you like, the external blessings in our lives is, 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 very, is a very skillful, a very important practice. But also to see how it is to cultivate a sense of internal nourishment, resource, well-being, that is less and less dependent upon, if you like, external conditions. And this points towards the, the whole domain of what in the Buddhist teachings is called samadhi, which is a word that is often translated as concentration, but actually is, is more accurately translated as a sense of collecting or collectedness. That the same word is used in the, in the discourses for gathering firewood, if you like. Collecting and bringing together, if you like, the, uh, the energies of the mind and the body. I appreciate Christina's image of the sheepdog we, in, in, the, in Wales, uh, in the UK. There, there are these amazing collie dogs that are used to gather the sheep. And, uh, you know, they just have this way of nudging the sheep towards the fold, you know, to, or towards the, the, the more uh, nourishing pasture for them, you know, which is, which is an image that the Buddha himself used about encouraging, you know, the, the cattle towards a nourishing pasture. And there can be that, that sense with the, the practice of really encouraging the attention, encouraging the awareness towards what is nourishing, towards the sense of enjoyment in, say, the breath, or the sensations of the hands, or the sensations of the lower half of the body. You know, these, these places that are skillful collecting points for our hearts and minds. And Christina highlighted this morning the distinction between this sense of, uh, of collecting or collectedness and mindfulness. These are, if you like, distinct but not separate. That they are listed, sort of distinguished in the Eightfold Path or the Seven Factors of Awakening, wise or appropriate, skillful mindfulness and skillful collectedness. But in, in the Buddhist psychology, these, these terms are distinct, but also mutually supporting, dependent on each other. And so we can see that this collecting of the mind, collecting of the attention into the breathing, is an aspect of mindfulness. But it's also one that can be more deliberately, more specifically cultivated. We could think of mindfulness perhaps as a more inclusive awareness that uh, is present for, that notices 
different dimensions of experience, sensations, thoughts, moods, perceptions, arising and shaping our experience moment by moment. What the collectedness, this quality of samadhi or samatha, which is, is, is the kind of verb for it, the collecting, it selects and prioritizes and highlights some aspect of experience like the breathing. And if you like, devotes itself a little bit more exclusively for a while to gathering the attention into those sensations of breathing. Does that make sense? Can you feel that? One of the the Thai forest masters compared it to to what we were doing with Yanai this morning of moving the attention from one side of the body to the other as we stand. You know, that, that one side might be more the collecting, the more sort of specific collecting, the other might be the more inclusive mindfulness. And at different moments in our practice, it's helpful to move between those two. Maybe particularly on these first days of the retreat, really helpful to have a sense of collecting the attention, really staying with as best we can the sensations of breathing or the hands or the body. And then also seeing how that can support a more steady, mindful awareness of the different dimensions of experience as they arise and pass. And the Buddha was really clear that that this cultivation of samadhi enables a clearer seeing. It brings many blessings. It brings many blessings, if you like, on its own terms. Samadhi is is also the cultivation of this sense of nourishment, this sense of ease, this sense of buoyancy, this sense of healing. And... As the Buddha said, you know, when the mind is collected in this way, one knows and sees things as they really are. And we can feel the truth of that, can't we? In the moments when the mind is more collected, there is a sense of seeing more clearly. There is a sense of being more steadily present for the way things are. And in the cultivation of samadhi, this attitude of appreciation and enjoyment turns out to be really uh, the key. You know, we, could, we could think of, of uh, the Buddha as having um, delineated, if you like, or, or outlined different bandwidths of states of collectedness and enjoyment and nourishment. Uh, and they start with this simple attitude that we bring to this breath, this particular breath you're bringing right now. It's to bring the sense of enjoyment to that, bring the sense of a gentle appreciation to that. And it seems, you know, that there are different skillful themes into which we can collect the attention, the breathing being one. But also just to acknowledge that for some people, the breathing isn't the most helpful central anchor for the attention. For some people, it's the hands that's most helpful. Or the soles of the feet. Or the sit bones. Or the whole body. One looks at the Buddha's descriptions of this quality of samadhi in the suttas. One sees that he he invites often a sense of the whole body as the the theme. In the Satipatthana, says he says, 
breathing in sensitive to the entire body, breathing out sensitive to the entire body. And the images he uses, one image he, he uh, offers for the kind of collectedness is, is one of uh, kneading soap powder, dry soap powder and water together to create a kind of ball of, of moist soap powder that is, as he puts it, pervaded and drenched and suffused with moisture, but doesn't drip. And you might even just as you sit here now, sense what it's like to take that invitation to soak or saturate the body in a sense of appreciative awareness, a sense of mindfulness. You know, these, these are images that are often more evocative than the simple instruction, the image of soaking. We could think of almost like a bath sponge, you know, soaked with water. Soaked with a sense of, of appreciative fullness, appreciative awareness. Even with a, a, a gentle sense of enjoyment. And... The Buddha said, you know, this kind of pleasure, this kind of enjoyment should be pursued. It should be developed. It should be cultivated. It shouldn't be feared. And this cultivation of collectedness takes patience. It takes persistence. It also takes a certain playfulness. A kind of not taking it too seriously. I heard a a uh, quotation last week that said, uh, truth, like love and sleep, resists approaches that are too intense. And we could say that collectedness is the same. You know, If I'm trying hard to collect the mind into the breathing, that's probably going to be really difficult. You know, This appreciative awareness that receives what's already here within a gentle sense of enjoyment. This is, this is how this cultivation takes place. And really supportive, really fundamental is the sense of ground and grounding. This is again something that we so easily take for granted. So easily it becomes kind of so familiar to us that we don't really have that sense of the support, the resource of grounding. You know, even as you sit here now, just notice what it's like to, to appreciate that sense of contact with ground. You know, because without this sense of grounding in this human life, we just tend to be spun around, don't we? We get kind of charged and recharged by this and that and the other, you know. And it's almost like the charge doesn't have anywhere to go. We, we, we kind of need a lightning conductor that puts the charge in the earth. Does that make sense? Can you feel that? You know, Because, uh, you know, the, the, it's almost like an earth on a plug, you know, the earth fuse on a plug that needs to take the charge and really put it in the earth, really have that sense of grounding. I'm always inspired by these statues of the Buddha. The, the legend goes that on the night of his awakening, 
Siddhartha, as he was then, was uh, visited by Mara, the, the personification of, of delusion and obstacle. And Mara was throwing all that he could to try to stop the Buddha awakening. What did the Buddha do? He touched the earth. You know? And there are many resonances that we could give to that gesture. But for me, I really appreciate that kind of reminder to ground, to cultivate a sense of ground. You know? And there are many grounds. You know, The contact with the floor, the contact with what you're sitting on, the weight of the lower half of the body, the hands on the legs, the, the earth element in the body. You can feel the kind of density of the body. Feel what a support that can be to being more fully here. You know? The breath can be a ground. You know? A sense of kindness can be a ground. A sense of nature can be a ground. A sense of ethics can be a ground. A sense of devotion can be a ground. But particularly at this time in the retreat, so helpful to have this sense of embodied grounding. Honestly, if we did nothing else for the next few days, it would be time very well spent. Really just to cultivate a sense of grounding, to appreciate that as a kind of embodied equanimity and sanity that can support and resource us for all the challenges and the charges of our lives. A safe place that we can take the attention to. A safe place that actually can also support when there's sufficient sense of ground, there can also be a, a sense of space or a sense of openness. Sometimes people say they don't know how to help their hearts to open. And, and my sense is often it's because we're not sufficiently grounded and our heart is having to do all this defending you know, because there isn't enough sense of support underneath it. You know, really to cultivate that sense of ground. One can almost sense in the moment, if you do that, how a certain sense of space opens up. And in this space, we can, we can cultivate this collectedness of samadhi. We can cultivate this, this gathering of our attention, of our hearts and minds into the present moment. We can bring, if you like, the body, the present moment, and the sense of friendly awareness together. And in this, this cultivation of collectedness, there are just a few particular tools that the Buddha identified that can be really helpful as we do this. Uh, they're, and they're very kind of practical tools that can be uh, used whatever the state of the mind. The, the first is what the Buddha called directed attention. So that might be the thought that says, oh, in-breath or out-breath or the heel bones on the floor if you're sitting on the chair or sit bones. Do you see how the, the kind of thought takes the attention to a particular place? Yeah? Very helpful to have that, that sense of, you know, okay, I'm going there. I've got lost in thought, realize that I've got lost, take a breath, take the attention there to the abdomen, to the hands, to wherever you're 
using as the kind of anchor for the attention. So that's a kind of what the Buddha called an initial mental application of this uh, cultivation of, of, of collectedness. The second, we could, we could the, f- the first is called vitaka, the second is called vichara, which you could, could translate as a kind of receptive sensitivity and exploration. So for instance, if you take your attention to your hands in this moment, the attention goes there, oh, then there's a different kind of movement involved in feeling the hands, exploring the hands, sensing the tingling and the weight and the textures of contact in the hands. Can you feel how that's a different kind of movement of the, of the mind, of the awareness? You know? It's, it's, it's the, the movement that sustains connection with the breathing. You know, the first vitaka takes the attention to the breath. The vichara, the, the, the receptive sensitivity and exploration, stays with the breath. It kind of surfs the sensations of the breathing. Yeah? Very helpful to, to distinguish between these kind of inflections of the intention and the attention. One of the qualities of the second quality, vichara, is, is that it also adapts to what it finds. So you could, it asks a question like, okay, what's the most comfortable way to breathe right now? How does the body want to breathe right now? Or, or what level of effort enables me to stay present with the breathing without a kind of overexertion, without that kind of intensity? Yeah, the, the Buddha co- compared effort to tuning a guitar. You know, effort can be too tight, it can also be too slack. And that part of what this second receptive sensitivity and exploration does is, is kind of tune the effort to staying with the sensations that it's exploring. <coughs> the third of these qualities is, is uh, you could think of as a kind of appreciative fullness. The, the Pali word is piti. I find the Pali words helpful as kind of pegs to hang the, 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 the guidance on somehow. And, and this, this appreciative fullness, you know, if, if right now you have a sense of slowly taking an in-breath and then letting the out-breath be long. And as you breathe out, a sense of enjoying sensations, really letting the, the heart, the mind, the attention be filled with the sensations of the breathing. It's a kind of fullness of enjoyment is what this third quality points to. And, and one of the things we can notice as we, we practice with the, the, the body in this way is that um, there isn't a you know we can experience the body in many different ways. Part of what gets highlighted as we do this kind of practice is that the body can be experienced as a field of energy and sensation. You know the, the tingling, the vibration, the the ripple of energy that we call an in breath. You know the sense of subsiding that we call an out breath. And just to let 
you know, even if it's just for a moment, to let the awareness be filled with that, to appreciate that, to be nourished by that. This is very helpful for the steadying, the stabilizing, the collecting of the heart-mind. We can notice that, that we can be nourished by the breathing or just by the sensations of the hands. Again, even if there are other parts of the body that are uncomfortable. We can have a sense of almost like bathing the discomfort in the back within a larger sea of appreciative awareness. Almost like the kind of the waves of the breath, kind of lapping at the discomfort you know, in the back. So that there's a sense of surrounding the discomfort with that which is not uncomfortable, with that which may even be nourishing. Does, does this make sense? Can you feel this? You know, this is all intended to be very experiential. I think the Buddha really points to these as, as very practical, doable ways of orienting our attention our, and our intention. So we've had directed attention that goes in-breath, out-breath, hands. We've had the receptive sensitivity and exploration that really feels the breathing or really feels the hands. We've had this appreciative fullness that actually allows the, the mind, the heart to be kind of filled with the sensations of this breath, even if it's just for the in-breath and then the, the mind wanders off. Still, this is a cultivating of a seed here. Again, it's a, it's a receiving of what's already here. We're already breathing. We're already, you know, have the sensations of hands. And this is, if you like, the connection with, between the, the, the external enjoyment and the internal enjoyment. We can see that they kind of nourish each other. The more we let ourselves be nourished by you know, just being here on retreat, by the beauty that's here, by the generosity that's here, you know, by the silence that's here, the more the heart will incline towards a sense of steadying, towards a sense of internal enjoyment of the breathing. There's, there's a, a kind of feedback loop between a sense of well-being and a sense of collectedness. The more we have just even some sense of well-being, the more the heart-mind will be inclined, inclined to collect and gather. And the more we have that collectedness and gatheredness, the more a sense of well-being will be nourished. So this is why you know, this, this enjoyment, this appreciation is so important as part of the art of being on retreat. A fourth quality the, or a fourth orientation, we could say, is the sense of relaxation. You know, really to make a practice of letting the body, letting the nervous system be able to rest, to relax. The sense of grounding will really support that. Do you notice that? If you really allow the sense of grounding, if you feel your sit bones, it's more possible to kind of give the body to gravity to let it relax, to let the, the nervous system be somewhat soothed and smoothed by the breathing. 
So relaxation, this fourth quality, also a sense of ease, cultivating a sense of ease, cultivating a sense of contentment. Noticing that we can do that even alongside difficulty. There can be a sense of, okay, I'm not going to let the difficulty be the only show in town here. I'm also alongside that going to be cultivating a sense of contentment, a sense of sufficiency, if you like. So much of our difficulty comes from the ideology of lack, doesn't it? And just to notice that a sense of sufficiency is something that we can cultivate. Something we can cultivate. The, the fifth of these qualities is, is if you like, the, it's the, the, the harmonizing, the cohering, the, the integrating. The, the Pali term is ekagata, which means the coming, becoming one, the unifying of the body, the awareness, and the present moment. This, if you like, is, is the fruit of practicing the other four. The sense that we're cultivating this collectedness that will naturally arise, naturally arise as a fruit of uh, the cultivation of these other qualities, the directed attention, the receptive sensitivity and exploration, the appreciative fullness, the sense of relaxation. To cultivate these even for a moment, any of these even for a moment is a blessing is really valuable. Even if the mind is going crazy, you know, we, we can still just have a moment of coming to the in-breath, receiving it, letting the awareness be filled with it, practicing on the out-breath, a sense of releasing, softening, relaxing, sufficiency. And, you know, I, there is something very doable about these practices and we can also notice that that like all crafts you know the the Buddha lived in a craft based culture and he said you know just as other crafts people cultivate different things those who are doing this practice are cultivating their hearts and minds you know it needs the same patience the same persistence the same if you like playfulness the same focusing more on what we're putting in than what we're getting out. You know, if, if you're cultivating carrots, it doesn't help to dig them up every day and kind of measure them or, you know, pull them, stretch them or compare them with how we think they should be by now, you know. And, and there's something about really trusting these cultivations as, as we sit and walk here. Really trusting that Practicing, enjoying, appreciating, befriending, patiently cultivating, calming, collecting. These will bring fruits. These will bring fruits. This is, I just want to finish with the Buddha's version of the, the, the promise that Christina made earlier this afternoon. The, the Buddha said, do, do not regard the potential of sincere and skillful intentions and practice, thinking, hmm, the benefits won't come back to me. 
With dripping drops of water, even a water jug is filled. So, little by little, those practicing sincerely and with skillful intentions will be filled with beneficial results. So just as we're sitting as we are, let's just pause, pause for a few moments and take some appreciative breaths. So thank you for your attention. And uh, we now have uh, some time for walking to bring our appreciative awareness to that, our enjoyment of the, the evening sky and sunlight. So wish you a nourishing walking period before we, uh, we meet again for the final sitting of the day at uh, 8.45.